could do. Making a reveal. Making a reveal. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Rank and Review. If last episode was our road trip, then this is where we arrived. And we arrived in some mountains, in the beautiful Canmore region of Alberta, in my home country of Canada. Yes, believe it or not, your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons lives in Canada. But uh, I was joined on my vacation by my dear, dear friend Scott Lehman to discuss remakes. I wish that you could see the beautiful setting that we are surrounded by as we record the first half of this podcast, because it was absolutely amazing. Uh, so big thanks to Scott Lehman for coming back to the show. The last time we heard from him was when we did Slasher Cinema A History, and uh, as usual, I want you listeners to understand that you're going to be hearing spoilers for the six films discussed, and you'll likely be privy to some coarse language. But hey, what are you going to do? Please send your feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. And if you wouldn't mind, if, you know, iTunes was your thing, putting a positive review, four or five star review on iTunes for the podcast is super helpful, you guys. Throw me that like on Facebook, get that other friend of yours that loves movies onto the podcast, and you'd just be doing me such a favor. Okay, enough of this nonsense. Let's get to the business at hand. Let's talk about remakes. I don't think you and I will have any trouble talking about these horror movies. I really don't. No, probably be all right. Especially with the Baileys. And the <laughs> yeah, Baileys, coffee. Baileys in the bud. Mountains. <laughs> We're doing well. Uh, so I'm sitting on a deck in uh, a, a nice mountain resort in Alberta, Canada, and Scott Lehman has returned to rank and review. That's right, we started just like that. Wow. It's beautiful out, the sun is going down, there's birds flying about our heads. <laughs> there's we're, Baileys there's in my Baileys cup. and coffee, uh, and uh, last time you were with me, we did uh, Slasher Cinema History, and it was an epic episode. It was the longest episode, still to this day, longest episode of the series, but I think of high quality. <laughs> so unfortunately, because of that, you've, uh, you've raised the stakes, you've, you've made this uh, a high-pressure situation, now you've got to try and meet that. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember why you chose remakes? Well, before we do that, I want to mention something about the last time I was privileged enough to do this. Okay. Um, yeah, we did the slasher films, and I, after some time has passed now, I can say I th- I may have ranked them incorrectly. Uh-oh. I may have possibly put Friday the 13th higher than maybe it should have, and I may have put Halloween lower than it should have. So just <clears throat> putting that out there. However, I stay... Texas Chainsaw Massacre is still at the top. Still number one. And no I just want to defend myself because uh, I'm a chainsaw guy, and I know there are other chainsaw guys out there that <laughs> that's their Bible. Yeah. So, But, uh, yeah, how, after listening to your Halloween retrospective, that's when I thought, you know what, Halloween really should have been higher. So mm-hmm. I will tip my mm-hmm. hat to that. So I, I may have been incorrect. I was also impaired. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yes. And I got a chief I got a thing that may happen again tonight. The so. alcohol is blowing and we're just starting. We're just starting. I'm so thrilled that you came out to meet me during my vacation to do this. Oh, um, mountains. So first and foremost, thank you for doing that. And you're ignoring your family, which is nice. Yeah, it's, that's, <laughs> a, <laughs> that's a pleasure. <laughs> it's a great vacation. <laughs> With remakes, though, I, I, want, I chose remakes because uh, I think remakes get some hate uh, inherent. They make a lot of money. People go see the remake, and but it's cool to hate the remake. Absolutely. It's cool to say, oh, that show, that sucked because it wasn't the original, and it's not as good as the original. Um, I have a thing I say that uh, there's a lot of cover songs. Right. So... I look at a movie. This is like a cover movie. Right. It's like it's like a cover song. You take a classic rock, maybe a classic song, change the tempo, change the rhythm, and uh, it's got some of the same lyrics. But uh, at the end, it's it's a different song. I have to admit, I used to be that guy that was like, "Fuck, why are they remaking everything? Like, oh, is there no agree. original screenplays out there? Like, seriously." But, and, you know, I've said it many times on the podcast before, if you're going to remake a movie, why not remake a movie that had a good premise but a flawed execution, right? Why take a classic and, like, why put yourself up to that, right? <coughs> the answer is, of course, money. <laughs> well, I agree. It, it, the remake has a built-in audience. Because Absolutely. You're and even the people, <coughs> like you say, who will hate it will go and watch it. Yeah. It's like um, the new Evil Dead movie. As soon as I saw that trailer, I said, I love the Evil Dead franchise. Yeah. Thought I have to go see that movie the day it comes out. <laughs> and uh, and I did. But, uh, yeah, you got to look at it as its own its own beast, I think. Yeah. Um, there's there's different kind of re- there's remakes uh, where they take the same story the same characters, what seems to be big now is uh, the reboot or yeah. a remake of the idea yeah such as Dawn of the Dead which is not one of the films we're doing today no but I just want to mention it's other than the title and the fact there's zombies there's in the mall, a mall. yeah there's that's about it. there's no similarities in in the story at all it's it's you could have just called it zombie mall yeah. and make a new movie but people would say oh that's a rip off of Dawn of the Dead yeah. but, but they uh, call it Dawn of the Dead yeah, it's so, it's, so it's a remake and uh, and that's a remake that I'm quite positive about even though they stripped oh, for you sure. know, the social commentary out of it it still worked as a very exciting action thriller type of horror movie so I'm all for that I'm all for that I've softened a little bit like I've said and now I'm like well, no, there's not a lot of people who obsess over movies to the same degree I do, right? So maybe if they don't watch the Nouveau Friday the 13th, they'll go through their lives not knowing who Jason Voorhees is. And that's sad to me. Oh. <laughs> you need to know who Jason Voorhees is. Come on. I Yeah, I agree. That, yeah. that makes It makes sense to do certain... Uh, I mean, or you could just do endless sequels of the same thing. But, uh, I mean, the idea is it's it's interesting. I, I get curious to see what another director's take on um, on Friday the 13th would be. Or yeah. it's, it's basically a retelling, a different perspective of the story. I really think that, like, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, you know, there are new universal monsters in a lot of ways. They're the new Wolfman, Dracula, and Frankenstein. Sure. Right? They're gonna, like, Universal Pictures is going to try and reinvent those creatures right away here. But uh, I think that while still, you know, I want to see new horror, I want to see fresh, I would like to see new genre figures rising. But if you have a tent full as strong and as, you know, a big a box office draw as Friday the 13th, I'm hard-pressed to say how dare you make another one, right? Yeah, it's not and that sacred ground. I'm a hypocrite because I will watch it. If I hate it, I will watch it. I will buy a copy of it, and I will bitch about it on the internet. I'm part of the problem. <laughs> and it's interesting you've said that before about uh, take a flawed movie, or maybe a movie that had an idea but not a budget. Absolutely. Uh, what, what can they do now with money behind it? Um, like There's some that you say don't do. Like uh, 
The Exorcist, for example, I, I don't see that being a successful remake. remake. If they, do, I, know, I guess they're doing a TV show now. I just Jaws. Saw. If some dude says I'm going to remake Jaws, he has to have balls the size of the Grand Canyon. Right? Yeah, I, I can't pick either of those two movies. I cannot see that being scary or, or working. I mean, who knows? Maybe. But uh, Gus there's, there's other films. tried to remake Psycho very unsuccessfully, as we discussed. Yeah, yeah, past. we did. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know, take a movie from 1981 that had a budget of thirty thousand dollars, maybe, and a, an interesting idea. And do it for a hundred million. Yeah, and see what that does. Maybe uh, I don't know, anything in mind you want to remake? <laughs> well, I can think of six remakes that it would be worthy of talking about. <laughs> I am the Sultan of Segway. <laughs> Here we go. Um, we're going to look at the remake of The Crazies, which is a George Romero film from the 70s. And uh, The Crazies and The Hitcher are probably the two more, uh, I guess, obscure titles, maybe. Mm. A lot of people might have watched The Crazies or The Hitcher not realizing those were remakes. But they are both, in fact, right. remakes. Last time you were here, we discussed Friday the 13th. We're going to discuss the remake of Friday the 13th. Evil Dead, you mentioned, we're going to talk about. We're going to uh, obsess over a shirtless Ryan Reynolds <laughs> In the Amityville Horror. Sweet. And a movie that I watched for the first time with you, My Bloody Valentine right. 3D. Uh, so is there anything else to say before we get started, or should we let this party get started? Uh, that depends how much Bailey's we got left. Oh, a lot. Right, okay. okay, yeah, yeah we well, can Well, we go. got one review here, I think. <laughs> we can do it. This is an amazing house. You are going to love it. Holy. This is the deal of a lifetime. So what's the catch? There was a crime, a, a murder. In the house? And several people, a family. claims he heard voices coming from within the house. Well, houses don't kill people. <laughs> to a perfect house? into a perfect family. So, uh, once upon a time, Larry read a book by uh, Jay Anson called The Amityville Horror. And it was terrifying. It was a scary book. I'm not going to lie. I didn't believe a word of it. <laughs> I didn't believe a word of it. But as a basic ghost story about a family that moves into a new house and gets chased away by spirits, I mean, I thought the book was quite frightening. So, it's puzzling to me that the remake of the Amityville Horror bears such a small resemblance to the book. Um, the main major points which the original film covered, like the priest being scared out of the house and just certain set pieces with chopping wood and the, the mm. father figure going crazy was kept. But the dynamics of the haunting were much different. Yeah. And, and I would argue, kind of worse than the book. <clears throat> It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad movie, but I would be lying if I didn't say I was disappointed. In the book, Jody, the imaginary friend, is now the precocious little girl who was the murder victim. She sees a pig. She says that her invisible friend is a pig named Jody. And for some reason, that's creepier to me. <laughs> See, me, I've, I, I've never read the book. Right. So You uh, don't have any baggage. No, I've never learned to read, so I just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just I've I've watched the movie, but uh, no, I never read the book, so I don't know how much the book compares to the original. Right? Um, is it quite faithful? Or? The original, I would argue, is closer, okay. but both of them are kind of Cole's Notes versions, I would say. Yes. Okay, yeah. So, all I'm going off is the comparison from the was it 1979? I think. Okay, yeah. So the movie version. Um, 
Do we want to say something about uh, who's in this uh, sure. um, this film? <laughs> Deadpool himself, <laughs> Canadian superstar Ryan Reynolds plays George Lutz, and Melissa George, who is a totally hot British actress. And if you ever get the chance to see a movie called Triangle, starring Melissa George, please okay. do it. Please do it. But you're forgetting who gets really first billing in this movie. Not mm -hmm. Ryan Reynolds, but Ryan Reynolds' abs. <laughs> yes. Right? Second billing is his beard. <laughs> yep. Both features I found a little bit distracting. <laughs> but If you like Ryan Reynolds, and if you like his chiseled abs, then this movie was made for you. And hey, you know what? Ladies are allowed to have eye candy too, but it's one of the first times where I was really noticing it into a distracting level. I, I think he's he's... He was too chiseled for for who he's, he's playing. He's yeah, like for a, George George Letts. Uh, he's a dad, you know. He's supposed got to be three just kids, the all-American regular guy. And, <laughs> yeah. But there's nobody that I've ever met, and I've gone to America, and nobody there. No <laughs> regular dad looks like that. No, no, no. Um, and I, I guess the beard. It, it seemed almost for some. I'm not sure why I found that distracting, but uh, the maybe actual because beard had a beard. Right. Josh, I think they just or, or, uh, tried. James Berlin wore the beard in the original. I think he was just I'm George Lutz, ergo beard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It seemed like they were trying too hard to just uh, make him not look as much like the lovable Ryan Reynolds that we know and yeah. uh, the goofy guy from whatever he's been. But <laughs> Van Wilder <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Uh, just Friends, which was shot in Saskatchewan. Um, yeah, there's other supporting roles. Chloe Grace Moretz, who, you know, as a hit girl. Exactly, yep. And is in lots of horror movies. Like, she's not even 20, and she's been in like a dozen horror movies, little bitch. I wanted to say something about her, and I'm a big I'm a big fan of hers, actually, and I don't mean this to sound creepy at all. But, uh, no, cause <laughs> but this a was, little. This was her first film, right? I think there's one before this, yeah. Okay. She, I find her very fascinating, interesting to watch, just as far as a child actor, and then watching her. I mean, obviously, Hit Girl, that's a role that uh, she was... <laughs> Made what, an impression. She was, what, 11 when she did that? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's... Very not violent. Not everybody can do that. That was, uh, uh, But I, I got a feeling that she's going to be someone that we're watching she's for a long time. She's the new Foster. And I think she'll be in movies that I'll watch, like this, the type of movie that I will actually go to see. So. She has good taste. Yeah, it's not your usual child actor kind of uh, role she's taken with Amityville Horror, mm -hmm. Kick-Ass, the Carrie remake. and Yeah. So all the ingredients are here. The uh, the screenplay was done by, I just said his name, but I'm forgetting, Scott Kozar, and he we're going to talk about him again. He also wrote the remake to The Crazies, and he wrote a really interesting thriller called The Machinist, starring Christian Bale. If you okay. ever get a chance to see it, it's quite interesting. Um, so I don't mind the screenwriter, but... This is not his finest hour, I don't think. For me, it's the set pieces that, like, there's moments that I would say, that's a great moment. It's kind of worth checking out the movie for that. And uh, the best example of that, there's a couple of them, but the best example of that for me is the sequence with Rachel Nichols as the babysitter. When she's in the closet? She gets locked in the closet. And that babysitter, how many babysitters have you had? They all kind of come to the house that dressed <laughs> Just like dressed a total like 70s is. slut. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that in the original. <laughs> nope. Quite low. Didn't she have like big braces? And yeah, no, they went a different direction <laughs> <laughs> with this. But they, they take it to another degree. Here's the thing about the Amityville horror that is true and that is actually chilling. The house that the DeFeo family moved into, or that, sorry, the Lutz family moved into, had previously been owned by the DeFeo family. The eldest son of the family suffered some kind of schizophrenic episode and executed everybody in the house. And they were able mm. to get the house for a less of a, like a, a good deal on the house because of the troubled history of it. All of that is true. 
depending on who you talk to, the rest of it is or isn't. Right. <laughs> but uh, they, instead of, like I said, using the uh, lever into the supernatural of this invisible plaything, pig, or whatever that was supposed to be, they have actually a little girl, one of the victims from the DeFeo family. And her role in the movie is strange to me. I really don't even understand if she is friend or foe. Yeah, they kind of flip-flop a bit, hey? Yeah. To me, I think she was... Uh she seemed friendly, but she wanted that little girl to, to, stay. to stay. She was lonely there yeah, and scared she, there. Because she wanted her to jump off the roof to go see Daddy, and yeah. then she can stay and play forever. And There's something really horrible about that scene in the closet with the babysitter, where not only does the babysitter, who knew the DeFeos, see the ghost of the little girl, but the little girl grabs her hand <laughs> and forces her finger inside the it bullet It doesn't wound. make a lot of sense, does? but it's creepy it's as fuck, creepy isn't it? creepy as fuck, but why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I hear you. There's another scene where uh, Ryan Shirtless Reynolds <laughs> is uh, making love to Melissa, unfortunately not Shirtless George, <laughs> and by a last name, by the way, Melissa George, but uh, the the little girl appears to him while he's making love to his wife, and she appears to hang herself. Yeah, that's why? right. Why? She was shot. And why is, like, I just... I didn't understand it. It was a weird thing that happened. It was kind of a creepy, you know, misdirection. Oh, we're in a sexy scene. Oh, no, we're in a scary scene. But I honestly, it just seemed random. There's another scene like that that it kind of works for me. It's when the little boy wakes up in the middle of the, middle of the night to go pee. Mm-hmm. And that, Solid scene, jump scare. that yeah. scene works for me because you've, you've Everybody's been that done little that. boy. You're in the, you're going to the bathroom. It's dark in the house. You hear a creak down the hall and you just, you run really quick. And yeah. And, uh, because what it shows in the mirror, he's peeing, he washes his hands, and then the camera pans and you see some was that a ghost or a demon or something really something was watching him. The and whole it's a good time. it's a good jump scare for the audience, but the he kid doesn't, doesn't see, see it. it. So it's that's that's a scare that's only for us, but it, it doesn't really hold anything in the story or make and any a lot real time, sense. Yeah, a lot of time that feels cheap to me, but when it's done well, a good jump scare is a good jump scare. Sure, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. And in, in this one, the when the walls bleed mm-hmm. further to the end, I don't believe the family sees that either in the remake. Yeah, I think that. I think that's during the night or. Yeah. Again, there's so many but, different versions of the events as to what is true, what isn't. We just sort of have to take this particular packaging of it. Um, yeah. So. I guess you're right. I, I didn't really consider the the roof scene. I guess it was another child in peril scene. But I think you're right. I think that this little girl Jody was trying to uh, get Chloe Grace Moretz to, to commit suicide. So but I guess why she that would, officially makes her a villain. Well, why she would yeah show herself hanging at the foot of the bed too? Why? I never really understood that either. Or it's just a strange random. Choice. I know she never liked the babysitter, so yeah, maybe she wanted to mess with her a bit there, but. Uh, Oh, yeah, and, like, if this was a true story, that babysitter is still in a fucking psychiatric (laughs) unit. That would mess me up pretty bad. (laughs) Now, since we're talking about Jody, and you mentioned this, the whole pig thing. Mm -hmm. In the original movie, she appears as what I always thought was kind of a... Couple of red Christmas lights? Well, when uh, George is outside, he looks in the upstairs window, and he sees this bad projection effect of a pig, Mm -hmm. some sort of pig thing. In all honesty, that effect never really worked for me i i think i like i like it being a a dead girl better myself and this is going to anger some but uh i know you read message boards where people say no jody's a pig it has to be a pig that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me why it would be a pig pig and why she would want to play with a a a demonic pig but i I don't know why it struck me reading the book it's because it's just something a little kid would say that you would dismiss I, guess. I have an imaginary friend. It's I, I a can pig also. Named Jody. I can also say, even if I like the idea of it being a dead girl better, 
maybe we saw a little bit too much of her too soon, mm-hmm. and it uh, it took some of the fear away for sure. The other problem, jumping right to the very last stinger moment of the film, is that uh, the DeFeos don't last a month in the house, and that's part of the truth of this quote-unquote true story. But when they leave the house, we see the little girl ghost alone again. And then these like demonic entity arms grab her and suck her into the floor in this sort of last-ditch jump scare. My question is, if, if she's a villain, you know, if she's a terrible, evil little girl ghost, do we do we care about that? Like, it was all it was was a Buddha to roll credits on. At I the think. same time, they did that as well in the closet when uh, the parents came home mm-hmm. and there were some arms reaching through the roof, holding Jody right. up, and which. Again. So she was being tormented by them too. So again, I well, wanted to be sympathetic to her, but I couldn't be because she was also kind of evil. <laughs> so. so I mean, it seems a little bit like we're taking little turds on the movie, mm-hmm. but I, I'm gonna say that I think it does improve in some ways over the original. In many ways. And this is where the blasphemy comes in. I don't myself consider the original Amityville horror to be the masterpiece that many do. No. Uh, I'm I I do have the movie and it's it's good for what it is but uh, I think it's overly long and uh, I don't think it's that well acted uh, the some of the effects are kind of sc- I mean it, it's pretty cheesy at times um, the it, overacting of uh, in the role of, of uh, Mr. Lutz James Brolin right Josh Brolin's daddy sometimes it's a, it's a little tough to yeah he to gets he, he goes over the line and I think if you asked him he would admit that. The thing about the Amityville Horror of the movie is that it was a monster hit. And because it was a monster hit, it's considered a classic. It's a movie that everybody went to see because the book was huge. I, I mm. honestly think like this book is very influential. Like Spielberg himself, like he, he read Amityville Horror and then he wrote Poltergeist. He said, me too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's an influential work. And I think that it was one of these things. It was a hot novel and it was going to be a hot movie even if it wasn't that great. And I think that if you're honest, the original isn't that great. But I think that if I'm honest, the remake ain't that great either. But if I'm going to choose of the two, which ones I'm going to watch, I might watch the remake. <laughs> and I'm, I might too. I mean, having said that, this pile blasphemy on top of blasphemy, um, Amityville 2 is even better than the first Amityville, which I just want, just because who knows when I'll be here and again, <laughs> yeah. and if I'm ever reviewing another Amityville horror movie. But I want to say Amityville 2 is the, in my opinion, the strongest of the whole franchise. But yeah, even though we're so not talking about that, it. but it's been uh, so long since I've seen it. Just wanted to throw that out there just to rankle um, some of the Platinum Dune series of remakes in like they did Texas Chainsaw, they did uh the Amity of War, they did uh Nightmare on Elm Street, you know? Mm-hmm. This one's one of the ones that is fairly inoffensive. It seems most of the times with Platinum Dunes they either do quite well or they drop the ball. <laughs> Almost entirely. Yeah, they take uh, key ideas from the movie and rework a story around it. Um, like my favorite scene from the first one was the flies, the flies in the room with the priest. Um, this one happens later in the later, movie. Later, and I was almost wondering, oh, are they going to have this scene the first time I was watching? I love that scene when the flies are in the window and the priest freaks out and they get out. out. One of the few genuinely chilling. Yeah, and when it did happen, I was. They changed how it happened. I don't think it was quite as effective. A little more CG, a little less. Right. Yeah. But it Philip still Baker had. Hall, uh, yeah. It was okay. Yeah, and that's that's what you, what I kind of look for in certain remakes is my favorite scenes. How are they going to rework that scene into the movie? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was one scene I was kind of waiting for that they did include in there. I would say if you're a fan of the haunted house genre, you could do worse than the remake of Amityville Horror. 
It, and it's if you're well, a fan of Ryan Reynolds' abs, this is the greatest oh, movie ever made. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, <laughs> bonerific. <Yeah. laughs> so I think that everyone will just have to make their own minds up. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a slicker made movie than the, the original for sure. I mean, it's, I mean, time has passed and it's, there's money behind it and uh, it's better quality, I guess. But then again, I think all six of these films, as far as the money behind it, it's going to be, they're all produced very highly. Arguably, they were all, quote, better made simply for the fact that right. they had way more to work with. But uh, and that, that does doesn't not, necessarily make That does not make better. a better movie, right? Absolutely. So uh, last time you were here, we did talk about the original Friday the 13th, and uh, I was quite favorable of it while at the same time sort of measured. Like, <laughs> it's well made. It's a solid slasher movie. Um, it's an origin story, right? Yeah. And one of the very few smart things that this remake of Friday the 13th did, if you ask me, is not redo the origin story. They right. knew that the fans didn't want to see Michael Myers' mom, <laughs> or sorry, Jason Voorhees' yeah. mom killing all of these people like like that's not the story that they wanted they want to see the hockey mask they want to see the machete <clears throat> yeah that would have been a mistake to do it i mean right there we can say this is not a remake of friday the 13th, 13th. because it's, it's almost another alternate universe friday the 13th or something a retelling of i think it's got s bits of the first four yeah friday the 13th kind of uh, mixed in almost some would the argue they took their favorite bits of the first four movies and sort of you know did a cut and paste job in some to some respects. The director here, Marcus Nispel, is uh, almost specializes it seems in remakes. Uh, he did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Yeah. He did this one. He and did you can the tell. he did the Conan the Barbarian remake. He's he's like the go-to remake. He just recently did a ghost movie that I'm going to be talking about soon on the podcast called Exeter. Okay. So he's uh you know. He's a go-to horror movie director. And there's a similar vibe, I think, especially with the Chainsaw Massacre remake. Yeah. This definitely takes place in the same world. There's a grimy aesthetic. There's two characters, I believe, that show up in this movie that are also in the Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, the old lady that says, just leave him alone. Right. And I believe the guy driving the tow truck at the end with the oxygen mask, isn't he... Uh, he kind of reminded me of... I thought of he was the old man without the legs, actually. But Maybe. Uh, he reminded me of the guy who says, you're doomed, <laughs> in the original Ralph. I, I yeah. thought they were almost trying to make him look like that. Yeah, that actor has since passed away. But I was disappointed they didn't do a crazy Ralph. Yeah. But, uh, to talk about the plot in a Friday the 13th movie is a little bit redundant, especially <laughs> this one. Um, I've talked about this movie before, so I'll give you the floor to a certain extent. Uh, but I think the biggest problem of this movie <laughs> is that it blows its load incredibly early the first 20 minutes the first 20 minutes before we see the caption friday the 13th 
borders on fucking amazing. I, I agree. Think. I'll agree. <laughs> they summarized part one in three minutes. Yep. With the dispatch that and uh, get on to the, the sackhead Jason from yep. part two, which was one of my, I like the sackhead. Yeah, it's a little bit clanny, but I like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. And then it hits the title. Um, right then, though, we can already see we're dealing with a different Jason. Yeah. Uh, the Jason I remember that I grew up with never set traps. Nope. Uh, this Jason sets traps, and he tied a girl up in a sleeping bag, dangles her over the fire. My Jason would just sliced her in two with his yeah. machete, uh, catches another guy in a bear trap. So, and I he, think what you're getting at is that uh, although it was brutal and like horrifying, and it was kind of exciting to see and making Jason scary again, because. Let's be honest, we've had a lot of yeah. fun with Jason and like Jason in space and Jason versus Freddy, but he hadn't been scary in a while. And in those first 20 minutes, Jason became quite frightening. But I think that for me, they might have pressed the gas almost a little bit too hard. Because as I say, when I talked about Friday the 13th, when we did the whole series, is that part of what I enjoy about those movies is that there's a sense of fun to them. And I think that's pretty much completely absent here. This movie seems to be taking itself very fucking seriously, which makes all the ridiculousness seem more ridiculous and uh, kind of... It's off-tone from the original series, I think. Hmm. See, I think with the, the teenagers that he's dispatching with, they try and have some fun with them. However, they're the most unlikable group of... <laughs> kids that you'll ever I don't know like you said the first 20 minutes was entertaining and, yeah. and great and they hit the title Friday the 13th and you settled into your seat and say alright we're just getting started Let's this, do this, this is going to be good and then you meet a bunch of dicks that you just want to die really soon <laughs> Travis Van Winkle plays Trent oh yes it's his cabin or his parents cabin and he invited all of his friends out to Crystal Lake for a party but he seems to hate all of his friends he seems to not ever have yeah, he any doesn't fun. like any of those guys. He's trying like hell to put the wood to Daniel Pennebaker, and she is not interested, so he falls back on uh, the other girl. What's her name? Uh, <laughs> they're interchangeable. I, I didn't know they had Did they say Brie, her name? Bree. Right. Juliana. They did say that a few times. Bree is her name. Um, so if he's not going to sleep with one hottie, he'll sleep with another, but he seems pretty much indifferent to whether it happens or not. Hateable almost doesn't say it. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, and I think the movie knows that. I think that they draw out his death so that when he's one of the last people to do, the audience is supposed to be, yes, yeah, they want us to dead. Be, they want us Thank to enjoy God. that one. And I guess there was a little bit of that. If I'm honest, I was very happy to see that character die, but I would have been just as happy if he died 20 minutes or 30 minutes sooner. <laughs> but he did get to say the movie's line, your tits are stupendous. Are stupendous. Followed up by you have perfect nipple placement. Yes. Now, how many times, I mean, countless times, I've been making <laughs> yeah. love to a lady and <laughs> I've just said, you have perfect nipple placement. And again, for the Brie character, why is she attracted to him? Like, <laughs> clearly she could do better, right? Yeah, that... We have to talk about the sex in the movie, Scott. Oh, was was there sex in this it movie? Was. I didn't notice. Again, in the opening 20 minutes, there's a fairly graphic sex scene in a tent. Mm -hmm. But that kind of felt fun to me in a way. Like, it was like, we know what this movie is. And right? there was the breast scene before that, too, yeah, leading up to yeah, it. Yeah, that was a little bit much, but whatever. The, the sex scene in the tent was pretty, you know, 
hardcore. But in a way, in that scene, I was like, well, this is Friday the 13th, right? This is sex and violence, and it's being pretty honest yeah. about it. And I kind of liked that they were open out of the gate, that this is what it was, and were very unashamed. And then we went to the nude water skiing and scene, then there was a which also water fit. The, okay, we're in Friday the 13th. <laughs> yep. We're going to have more nudity. And, and then we have this ridiculous sex scene that they cut away from and then back to and <laughs> away from and then back to, and they work around a jump scare to it. Yeah. And it is like the most crazy, not even softcore. <laughs> like, like it's, it, it makes me uncomfortable watching it by myself. <laughs> even if I'm watching it alone, it makes me uncomfortable. Friday the 13th. I'm with you. It's just not, it, it is about sex and violence, but it's about sex and violence. And I think during the second half of the movie, the sex might have taken over. Uh, I, I'm with you 100%. And that's when he said the yeah, perfect nipple placement line. And mm -hmm. right as soon as, I don't know, that took me out of the movie right from there on. And we're done. I yeah. was like, okay. Just, I don't know if it was bad writing on purpose, just to, as a tribute to Friday the 13th movies not having traditionally yeah. great writing but or uh, the acting was better but the writing wasn't <laughs> i would argue <laughs> i mean the i think the uh, the asian guy <laughs> was maybe the one likable character but um, he just wanted to have a good time yeah he he just wanted to have fun uh kind of liked when he offered jason a hockey stick yeah he said this goes with your outfit dude they were trying things and i got that they were trying things but i didn't work for me the daniel pennebaker character and she's gonna also show up in the crazies jenna she's virginal she doesn't yep. swear she does everything she can to help Jared Padalecki's character, who's looking for a sister who's gone missing in the area. She's completely noble. By all accounts, they're telling us she's a survivor girl. But when they make the reveal that Whitney is still alive and the hostage, mm -hmm. I said to myself, Jason hasn't killed her for three months. She's living through the movie. And I was 100% correct. Consequently, when that machete blade sliced through Daniel Pennebaker, I wasn't surprised. I was like, yep, yep, she's out, <laughs> you know? Yep. But I, I liked that they, they were trying something there, right? But it didn't pay off. Well, we talked about some of the differences in this, Jason. One thing my Jason definitely does not do is create underground tunnels. No. And, he, doesn't uh, and he doesn't keep hostages for months. And uh, I, I'd like to know who's paying the power bill. Right. But, yeah, and he's setting up trip wires that ring bells to alert him of, uh, I'm not sure if this was just done to... Uh, explain how he seems to transport himself through the camp. In, Instead in the of teleporting, ones. he but, has secret passages. <laughs> I don't know if that's more or less ridiculous. That was one thing that brought me out of the movie. There was a certain point in this film when it stopped seeming like a remake, yeah. and it just started feeling like another sequel. I think um, that the idea was that in this version, Jason is a living man, right? So until this movie dies, when they kill Jason, he was actually a living dude, right? Yeah, I suppose. So. I don't. I don't like. I, I like zombie Jason personally, but that could have been for the sequel. That's an interesting thing about this movie. It made a shit ton of money. It was very successful. So where's Friday the Thirteenth Two? Where's Friday the Thirteenth Three? Like, it seems like even the people involved in making this production eight years ago now seem to know that they fucked it up. Well, they didn't really. Like I said, it started to feel like another sequel. Yeah. They didn't really take it any place new. I mean, and the place they did do new with the uh the underground tunnels was the one thing that really didn't the fans work didn't like yeah. no and uh where the movie works i hate to say it i mean i guess i shouldn't hate to say it or the kills there's some really <laughs> there's good kills. some really good kills jason is brutal and he's scary and you know uh they they deliver in that that asian dude that you talk about just delivered such a horrible death oh god you know one one problem with it with me is a lot of this movie 
feels like uh, missed opportunities for me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is there's the big scene at the end. There's uh, the wood chipper or whatever in the shed there. Yeah. And we we're thinking this is going to be good. But Someone's going to do the chipper. Yeah, we never do see someone go right through there, and uh, <laughs> that would have been a really glorious way just to <laughs> spray some red. Yeah. Uh, but the biggest one is the discovery of the hockey mask. Mm. The, I I looked into this movie thinking, what? How are they going to do the hockey mask? We're going to have a new way. How is he going to dis- discover this plot yeah. point? And they could have done whatever they wanted to. And what they did was, he, he found just a hockey mask. Found it randomly on hockey mask in the in the garage and put it on on. and that was it yeah there's a weird thing it's one of the only moments that i kind of like in uh friday the 13th 3d yeah when uh when jason sees shelly with the hockey mask even though you can't see his face for some reason i like anthropomorphize the bag on his head like he sees shelly walking with the mask and he's like oh what am i doing with (laughs) this sack on my head That's that's me. That reflects Jason Voorhees. <laughs> but in in the end, we come to this movie to for the kills and the tits, and it does and, deliver and, that. <laughs> you can't say it doesn't. No, and if and if they said, you know, we have to make a, a movie with some teenagers smoking drugs and getting laid and then dying horribly, then it delivers. You get what you get. Yeah. It's weird. Like it's. I feel like I should be more positive on this movie <laughs> than I am. But I'm not alone. We're not alone on this. Like Friday the Thirteenth fans went to see this movie and then they, like you and I, said, "Well, they should have done this and they should have done that." Yep. This and was one I went opening weekend. Yeah. I I had to see what they were going to do with it. Um. Again, it's not horrible, but it's like in a way. As much as I like the original Friday the Thirteenth, there was plenty to be improved upon. And if you ask me, which do I prefer, the original or the remake? I'm going to honestly say I prefer the original, although I will watch both. <laughs> I'll say the same same for me. I mean, I'll watch all six of these, these remakes, um, but yeah, I agree 100%. Exactly what did you see? Something was following us. horrific event this town has ever seen. Authorities are calling this the Valentine's Day Massacre. In the town of Harmony, something unexplainable Hello? is happening. Come here, you better check this out. What is it? This January, to witness what do you want the most frightening 3d motion picture event to tear through the screen so i've been in your man cave i'm not gonna lie and by that i'm not talking about your ass i'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) i've been i've been in your basement (laughs) i've been in your basement and there's a lot of oilers paraphernalia (laughs) and there's a lot of movies and a glorious leather couch and a big screen TV that is capable of 3D. That makes me envious. And uh, you sat me down one. This was years ago now. Yep. And showed me my bloody Valentine, which honestly I hadn't seen yet. And uh, I honestly it was like, I have a weird affection for the original My Bloody Valentine, and I'd heard a lot of negative reviews about that one. So mm-hmm. when I sat down to watch it, I was like, let's check out the 3D. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's I just have it's the paper glasses 3D. It's not the fancy right. Yeah. But it was still kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Patrick Lucier and has often worked with the screenwriter Todd Farmer. If you have enjoyed Drive Angry <laughs> with mm. Nicolas Cage or uh, I have seen that. Jason X, Jason <laughs> oh, in God. Space, was <laughs> written by Todd Farmer. There's nothing subtle about Todd Farmer at all. And in a way, the original My Bloody Valentine for a slasher movie had some form and some technique. The fact that it was a minor town, they used it to show it was a, its own community. It was kind of a different place, and that uh, it was shot in Canada, and it was very <laughs> rough-hewn. The acting was up and down. Some of the special effects were amazing, some of them not so much. But there's something about the movie that they make you like the characters so much that when they start dying, that My Bloody Valentine, the original, feels like this really brutal, you know, classic form 80s slasher. On a whole, mm. I'm a big I'm a big fan of the, the original. Ori- the original, my bloody Valentine. It almost felt like that's one of the films that felt like my film. Right. It didn't. It wasn't. Not big, everybody liked it. Right, right. It wasn't the big film like Friday the Thirteenth. It didn't have eighteen sequels like uh, Halloween or Amityville. It, it was the smaller Canadian movie that kind of felt like your own. On the tenth anniversary of a Valentine's Night massacre, uh, this guy Tom returns to his hometown. Uh, he was one of the few survivors of the original ordeal. And lo and behold, killings start showing up again in the town. Brutal, brutal deaths. And uh, what's going on? Is it Tim? Is it someone else? Is it the sheriff who's a total dickhead? (laughs) Uh, You talked about how none of the characters in the Friday the 13th remake were likable. I would posit that none of the characters in this movie were likable either. I think that the movie is fun, but I don't think I could say that I think that the movie is good. Really? I, I enjoy it. I don't know if it's good or not, um, yeah. I, but I enjoy it. Right. Now, when I first seen this, I, I did see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. And that the, would make a difference. With the, uh, what, what's their, the new 3D technology they have. But right. I think this was near the beginning before every movie was out in 3D. Right. Now, there's a difference, first of all, <clears throat> movies that are 3D movies and movies also available in 3D. Right. This one was made as a 3D movie. It, it had 3D in the title. It, uh, it's meant to be seen in 3D. And I think not seeing it in 3D will hurt your experience. Much like Friday the 13th Part 3. Right. I think it's, uh, it adds to the fun. I think 3D works best as a, as a cheesy gimmick, I'm sorry, for horror movies, mm-hmm. where you want to see body parts flying at you and uh, pickaxes coming close to your eyeball. And, and this movie, the 3D effects are uh, quite, uh, quite good, I thought. Um, I, I, enjoy the, I, I enjoyed it, especially there's a scene in there with the... Uh, the old guy comes out of his house with a shotgun right? and he points it out at the audience and he scans it across the crowd in the, in the theater. <laughs> and actually it was a very good theater effect. I saw people actually ducking. So, right. oh, okay, he's pointing that gun right, <laughs> right at me. My face. I mean, it's really, really cheesy. <laughs> I see you out there and he's yeah. pointing the gun. But uh, I that for was me, Tom Akins too, that actor. Yep, I love him. He's right. from Night of the Creeps. <laughs> that's right. <He> was. <laughs> Thrill me. Um, I think I carry too much baggage to the movie. I think I'm right there with you in that I really love the original, and I kind of wish that this movie would have taken itself more seriously. And in a way, I think the missed opportunity of the original film, because the twist of the movie is that it's not this killer that's come back. We have a new killer. The the original killer, Valentine's Day Massacre, mm-hmm. is in fact dead and in the yep. ground yeah, they in both versions. And as a result, uh, they kind of killed their their franchise, <laughs> right? Like, how do you do My Bloody Valentine 2, 3, and 4, right? right. Uh, so this was an opportunity to maybe make My Bloody Valentine into the franchise that maybe I think it kind of deserves to be. It could have been. Uh, and because that, you know, it became a gimmicky 3D movie uh, with, with 
some hilariously over-the-top set pieces, um, although I did enjoy watching it. I, it just pains me because I, I wanted more of it. I think that my, my indifference to the movie is, is all coming from <laughs> me. It's not horrible. It's not I, I horrible, understand but that. I want it to be better. Sure. <laughs> um, I'll say it's probably my favorite 3D movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we're just going to base it on the 3D effects, but I mean, it's got to be more than, than, than well, that. But the, how when about we, the naked truck stop sequence? Oh, the six-minute nude scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that uh, poor actress, she was, she was naked the entire, her entire time on screen. But apparently they did it all toe. twice. There's another version, you can see it, where she's wearing underwear. Okay, and the, cause I think that was just done for the trailer? or Maybe, I don't know. But it wasn't enough that they had this poor woman do this entire sequence, which doesn't play out well for her, by the way. Stark <laughs> naked. and uh, The difference <laughs> with Friday the twice. 13th nude scene in this one was she was naked the entire time, but it was not... A, a sexual, it was different. not a sexual scene. I mean, they were having sex at the start, but uh, they have an argument. Uh, she's running outside. Mm-hmm. She, th- <laughs> she was sleeping with this trucker who was incidentally played by Todd, Todd Farmer, the aforementioned screenplay. And he really likes to put himself in the movies. And he really likes to put himself in the movies where scenes where there's a beautiful woman fucking him. Yeah. And I think it kind of rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, Todd Farmer, I, I like where your heart's at with your screenplays, but you're coming off as a bit of a scumbag, <laughs> okay? That said, I did, just because of how crazy it was, enjoy that sequence. She is furious, and the fact that she's stark naked is not going to stop her from chasing this asshole out of the hotel right. room it's, and it's just pretty, giving him a piece of her mind. It's insane, but it's totally interesting to watch. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious, really, <laughs> um, <laughs> for sure. And it kind of goes along with what you said earlier as far as what movies should be made into a remake. I think this movie was the right idea as far as a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's maybe a the smaller approach. movie that not everybody heard of this movie. So maybe take this one in and remake it to a larger audience. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that hadn't seen the original Bloody Valentine. So I like the idea that they made the remake. Um, but I it's, think that if you watched the remake first and then you went back to watching the original My Buddy Valentine, you would probably think that you and I were crazy, right? Well, this yeah. is kind of a meandering, slow-moving, okay-acted slasher picture, and uh, the remake is this full-throttle, goofy, 3D action piece, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe that's okay, but for me, I, yeah, like I said, I keep going back to it. I love the original too much to you know, really get super behind this one. The biggest sin it it does commit, I think, is to the original film. By itself, if it wasn't called My Bloody Valentine, if it was called Tim Comes Home for Vacation <laughs> or something lame like that, I might like it better. I might, and that probably reflects on me as being a lousy I, critic. I, I probably wouldn't have seen it on a yeah, exactly. weekend. But, um, yeah, you're, and you're right. If you take out the 3D, maybe it's not as fun. Yeah. Um, because some of the 3D effects, I mean, right from the opening title sequence, it's all over. The, the 3D place. is is really well done. Um, that surprise pickaxe through the eyeball, mm-hmm. uh, you got a ripped open chest near the beginning, looks great. Oh, they certainly start but, with their their pedal to the metal, like right away. We're in a mine and people are being fucking killed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That opening scene is actually uh, what the first 10 minutes or yeah. so is is quite solid. Uh, I mean, it, it's not Shakespeare. It's not gonna well here's change the other anyone's thing. life, but that I don't think works in the movie. The twist. Okay, the ending? The twist? ending. Okay. I don't know, you know, I'm jumping ahead here, but 
they, I think that they, that Todd Farmer and the screenplay writers were trying to do this bait and switch where, you know, Tim would be obvious choice for the killer, so they wipe him off as a suspect earlier on, but clearly mm. Tim is the killer. Yeah. <laughs> like, clearly, th- it's one of those things where they're trying to blow your mind with the twist, <laughs> but it, it, it isn't. It would be like if the ending of The Sixth Sense happened and you knew the twist from I, the I did know the twist. Actually. I figured that out right. in Sixth Sense. I and just you want to say did? that. Oh, really. I, I honestly didn't. That's good for you. But, uh, <laughs> I'm smarter than everybody yeah. in the world. In this, in this case, I saw it coming. I mean, maybe not right away, but I mean, they wanted us to think it was the sheriff so badly. Right, because, right? well, it can't be him. He was locked in the cage. When yeah. That, yeah, right. they went out of their way to eliminate him as a suspect earlier on, and as a result, yeah. I was kind of like, no, no, no. Um, and that's an interesting twist that they do keep from the original in that uh, everyone thinks it's this killer, this Valentine's Day massacre killer, come back. Harry, uh, Harry, Warden. Harry Warden has come yeah. back for revenge because he warned them not to celebrate Valentine's Day. It was dead to this town, right? Yeah. And I, I like that idea. You know, the, the town the, has a curse on it because of that horrible violence that happened on Valentine's Day. And in both cases, Harry doesn't show up again. It's just some other random killer. I think this was an opportunity to, make to turn Harry into this... I like the image of the mask, the, the minor mask and the pickaxe. You oh, know? Yeah. I think That's that it's solid. strong. And uh, like, there's something... Whereas this movie is fun and goofy, there's something really brutal about the original one in that it takes its time to make you like all of the characters and then kills them all slowly in front of you. <laughs> so... Um, I, I want this movie to be more than it is, so as a result, I'm less enthusiastic about it. That said, you could do a lot worse for a matinee fun afternoon <laughs> slasher movie. I think it's a fun, what, 90 minutes? Yeah, it's very yeah. quick. It's very quick, but it's not as smart as it thinks it is. <laughs> and uh, I think that it, it's better at being stupid than it is at being smart. <laughs> and I kind of wish it wasn't as stupid as it was. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there it is. Fair enough. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say about My Bloody Valentine? I've been really mean, haven't I? I don't know. I, don't, I don't think that's, that's about it. <laughs> Fair enough. You don't know that. It's okay, I'm not sick! Dreams in which I'm dying. Oh my god. I find it hard to tell you. I had a, a, a bit of a love fest here. Let's do this. So I had a bit of a love fest uh, for the original My Bloody Valentine, and that might have contaminated my review for the remake, and I'm going to concede that. The problem does not exist for the crazies. <clears throat> Same here. I'm not a big fan of the original. In a lot of ways, it just seems like a thinly disguised zombie movie, and not as good as his other ones, and amateurish in its production in a lot of ways. A lot of interesting ideas in the original. It's not a complete write-off, but there was plenty of room for improvement. This is one where I saw the remake before the original. Right, and that I, probably I mean, would hurt even more, right? It's a little hard to... The original was not a, a huge popular no. film, so I had to seek that one out after, and uh, 
Romero was having trouble getting any successes without having zombies in his movies. That's mm-hmm. why there's ten years in between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead where he made movies that nobody saw, <laughs> right? So this was the lesson. Bring the zombies and the people will come. Anyway, so I'm not as connected to the source material in this case. Uh, and I remember watching this movie very shortly after it first came out and thinking, that's a solid movie. That was really entertaining. And I rewatched it for this podcast, and I was really impressed by it. I really have to say, uh, this director, Breck Eisner, I'm going to efficiently keep an eye on. I've always been a fan of Timothy Oliphant. I remember seeing him in a 90s movie called Go okay. a long time ago, and I'm thinking even then his supporting role as a drug dealer, that guy's going to be a movie star. Uh, so I don't know if I'm just attracted to him or he's just got lost <laughs> in his eyes or what. But I like Timothy Oliphant. And if, he, imagine him with Ryan Reynolds' abs. Oh, if they just, just had an ab competition. They should have a baby. <laughs> it would be the most beautiful baby. Uh, Timothy Oliphant is the sheriff of a charming small town who, uh, you know. I can't even say his last name without saying Elephant. <laughs> uh, you know, he's got an idyllic life with his uh, wife, Rada Mitchell, who is also a scream queen. She just seems to love these genre pictures. Um, and one day, a local farmer walks onto the baseball diamond with a shotgun and a really crazed look in his eye. Mm-hmm. And Timmy Ol- Timothy Oliphant, for the first time in his career, has to not only draw his weapon, but gun down a civilian of the town in front of, of everybody, everybody in town. Opening night on the ballpark. Yeah, and like right away, like that's that's pretty <laughs> awful. And uh, his day gets worse from there <laughs> because we find out very quickly that this guy lives closest to the tainted water source. And as it's getting further along the community, more and more people are getting affected by it. And the scary thing about these crazies is that they're not just ravenous zombies. It seems to affect everybody very differently. Mm-hmm. Some people are just riding around their bikes singing to themselves and other people are burning their families alive. And Timothy Oliphant has to try to save his small town and things get worse and worse all of a sudden there's no phones anywhere all of a sudden there's a military presence that's not letting anybody leave and mm-hmm. all of a sudden his wife is missing so or she gets the she her temperature she's is taken, risen. Yeah. so she's taken by the military because they think she's infected but he's pretty convinced she got the temperature reading because she's in fact pregnant a lot of stakes a lot of excitement and uh some really good set pieces so I guess I'm saying I'm a big fan of this remake of The Crazies. Uh, I'll agree with you as far as uh, you said you really enjoyed this rewatch of it. I, I as well did. And the proof on that is I, I took some notes for the movies I was watching. Right. And this one, my, my page is empty. Right. I wrote something down about the opening, and then I just watched the movie. I, I enjoyed it too much. I didn't want to stop and write. I just enjoyed watching it. I what I wrote down was uh, the movie starts, the town's on fire. And then it cuts to a Johnny Cash song. And you, you know immediately, I'm going to love this fucking movie. <laughs> right. And you just sit back and you just let it happen. You take the ride. Yeah, it, and I love, I love the way it starts. And uh, like you said, the scene in the ballpark. Uh, it sells, tells you that bad things are coming. <laughs> this was a movie that should have been remade. And I think of the six, without spoiling too much, this one I think improves on the original the most out of all six. Um, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, there are there. Are, it's a movie of moments for me, but there are so many of them that cumulatively, it's it, there's really once the crazies are unleashed, it's like try to get out of the 
get out of the town, try to get away from the crazy people. But there's a variety, like I said, in the madness that they are confronted with. Two of my favorites involve a psychopath with a pitchfork. Oh, yes. <laughs> putting down a bunch of people who are strapped into uh, hospital gurneys. Great scene. And Rada Mitchell is at the end of this line of people seeing this guy coming as he goes bed to bed skewering these poor you know helpless people yeah a great scene and it is terrifying there's another scene where uh, our band of survivors find uh, find themselves in a farmhouse and they're actually in the house for quite a while before they <laughs> bump into the people the tenants of it and there's this horrifying scene where timothy oliphant is in the middle of a struggle and desperately trying to reach for his handgun and out of nowhere this knife comes into frame and just skewers his hand to the floor yep. there was another guy just standing in the room the whole time that was the, the nursery wasn't it yeah, yeah. The, he was another guy standing in that room the whole time that was happening and he didn't even make his presence known <laughs> until that happened and it's genuinely shocking because of it that's a great scene <laughs> the car wash scene is a lot of fun as yeah. well it's uh, in, intense and uh, you can yeah they sure they took the original changed some things up uh, had some great scenes they made it more intense more violent for sure yep uh they took out the and scary but yeah. i couldn't call the original scary and i could definitely call this remake scary one thing i'm glad they took out of the original was the mad scientist well more i was going to say the incest oh yes I, good point i mean uh yeah when the father has sex with his daughter i believe right mm. um i was it's I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that was not in the remake. That, I, it's and not enjoyable, <laughs> I don't think, for anybody. There's no place for it, too. It's, there's, there's something painfully random about it. I guess that goes with it affects everybody different, and they just go crazy, and right. they lose their inhibitions. But uh, <laughs> That's ugly. That shit's ugly. Yeah, I, I want to see people getting uh, <laughs> their faces stabbed, but no one wants to see that. Um, whereas Romero could be arguing, you could argue that Romero was basically making a thinly disguised zombie movie. Um, your wife's going to bed. She just waved at you through the glass. Oh, okay. Good night, honey. Whereas you could say, <laughs> you could say George Romero was making a thinly veiled zombie movie. I, I like that even though these guys do start to wolf out a little bit and they start working the makeup effects on their face, like I said, it's distinct. This Everybody seems to be a little different in how they take this. Yeah, this as the further it goes into the movie, the more it starts feeling like a zombie movie. I think. Yeah. And you can, I believe, the same people did the Dawn of the Dead remake that mm -hmm. made this, didn't they? Uh, not the same director, but the same production. Okay, because it definitely has the same feel. I find. Mm -hmm. um, so if there's the same, some sort of input into it, but. Yeah. Uh, Amazingly, Zack Snyder directed the remake of Dawn of the Dead. I think it's his good movie. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there it is. Um, Danielle Pennebaker is in this movie. She was also unlucky enough to be dispatched in the third act of Friday the 13th. And she is dispatched in the third act of The Crazies. During the, we talked about the car wash sequence. Oh, right, she's taking... She gets yanked out the back of the car and has her neck snapped. <laughs> um, it's just interesting. We have crossover with both the screenwriter and that actress in this case. Uh, that's more of a fun fact than anything really <laughs> Fun critical. fact for the kids at home. <laughs> yes. I am that much of a nerd. I'm a big fan. I'm just going to... I got IMDb open here. I want to see the dude. The dude. Joe Anderson, I think, is the guy who plays Russell. Timothy Oliphant's deputy. Okay. Love that character. Because I think what that character provides for us is what it's like to be affected by the crazies. We see him very slowly slipping. And for a while, he goes full bore crazy. Yeah. But he's allowed this moment of clarity where he says to Timothy Oliphant, I'm not right, am I? 
And that scene is so heartbreaking because <laughs> you really like that guy. You yeah. know he's not going to live through the movie, but yeah. you really like that guy. And there's something about, we're going to go to spoilers here, his final act where he distracts the military blockade so that Timothy Oliphant and his wife can break free of it. And the last thing he says to the military as they close in to shoot him is, fuck you for what you did. And it's a weirdly strong moment in this, this movie, a really strong dramatic moment. Like, you don't see the face of the guy who shot him, mm-hmm. but you have to you believe hear- that that guy is going to be haunted by this dude for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, you hear a couple, a couple shots ring off as our yeah. heroes are running away in the other direction. But uh, again, it's a, it's a, a supporting role, and he just nails it. Yeah, nails it. So well, yeah, you like him yeah. beforehand, mm-hmm. before he goes crazy, and, and uh, you, you almost like feel him like after. when you realize he's going, you're like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. no. But um, the third act, I mean, it gets maybe a little bit creaky, but it, I'm into the movie enough that when the their speeding truck is when just they, barely escaping a shockwave of a gigantic explosion, it looks like a nuke. I hope it's not really supposed to be a nuke because that would make it a little stupider than we would want. I think it. Uh, I thought it was, but yeah. it's an awfully big explosion, <laughs> and it's one of those like Indiana Jones in the refrigerator moments that yeah. even if you weren't in the immediate blast radius, you're pretty fucking dead, right? Well, they get out of the truck after they're holding hands, looking back at it, right? Yeah. Well, I guess let's go to the next town, yeah. which apparently, as we see, isn't any better. And no, and again, I could have done without that last moment of uh, the military has followed them to the next town, and presumably this is all going to start over again. Yeah. Why would the crazies be affecting that next town? Are they just going to kill the entire population of that town to cover themselves their secret? Who knows? Well, unless the water kept running through the. Yeah. It did okay. It was an okay, well-received critically and did well enough in the box office that I'm kind of surprised that nothing more has come of it. But then there's the other half of my brain that says not every movie needs a sequel. For sure. But everybody who likes horror movies should watch this movie. Yeah, I think so. I agree. Good enough? Yeah, it's a good time. Stop. What do you want? I want you to say four little words. I want to die. I did an episode called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles some time ago, where we, uh, my friend Ashley Pachkowski and I reviewed the 1986 film, The, the Hitcher. And oh, yeah. uh, she kind of missed out on the 80s. Well, she, she, <laughs> she didn't see it when it came out, and I don't think she was as impressed by it. But Don't <laughs> you sort of feel sorry for people that missed out on 80s horror, though? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. I feel bad for horror fans that missed out on 80s horror, yeah, because there's nothing quite like it. And they're really. still there. You can still yeah. watch them, but some people <laughs> wouldn't do it at gunpoint for some reason. Um, the base story being told in both The Hitcher, the original, and this remake is preposterous like like if you want to if you're one of those things that that's fake kind of people yeah then 
beyond this point do not enter, okay? The movie is completely, completely ludicrous. What the original definitely accomplishes is this sort of raising, ratcheting tension and stakes of this final conflict that's going to happen between this writer character and the main character played in that movie by C. Thomas Howell. Um, what is it that this guy wants? And how is it that he manages to be wherever he needs to be to get shit done? Mm-hmm. And uh, both the original and the remake are these weird hybrid horror action movies. There's a lot of car chases, there's a lot of gunplay, and a lot of violence. But the central figure, this Hitcher character, I think, uh, and I've always felt of this about the original, so I'm putting on this as there's something bigger going on that we're not privy to. Yeah, you do and, see <clears throat> a lot of that, in, in, more in the original, I mm-hmm. think. And I, I think that that's an opportunity that they could have taken for this remake to, to, to build upon. Something almost supernatural or internal or almost yeah. like the devil or... Why does he want to be killed? And why does he want this specific person to kill him? And why does he give them all the opportunities to kill him while at the same time framing them for his crimes? Yeah. Like, there's like so much counterintuitive about his behavior. This is practically this demonic figure. In this remake, the guy, the Hitcher, is played by Sean Bean, who's a fantastic actor and seems to really enjoy bringing the menace. But I can't help walking away from the remake wishing that I'd just rewatched the Hitcher, <laughs> the original. Um, again, much like none of these remakes are outright horrible, they're all well made and for the most part well acted. But mm. what did they do with the Seed story? Is it better? Is it worse? Yeah, they. I guess what they they'll say they took their favorite parts mm-hmm. and uh, reworked them a bit. They changed a little bit. Of, it's not just the guy on the road trip. It's a couple. This time it's the couple, right? Um, I mean, uh, yeah, you're you're right. It it's shot well. Um, the opening title sequence. There's a storm coming over the mountain, and you just it's a nice you settled in. Right, mm-hmm. Yeah, right away the rainstorm. The first meeting of the hitcher is kind of, I think, well done. You, it's kind of intense. You're not sure who this guy is, and then they drive away. And um, I was going to say something about uh, you mentioned why is he doing this to him? Right. They kind of there's a moment in here where the the male the driver of the car you know can't Jim the Halsey he's played by Zachary oh, Knight. Right, right. Which also you know the the uh, the guy and the girl you know the character names. Yeah, uh, Jim Halsey and Grace Andrews. Right. Jim and Grace. Weird. Interesting, eh? My parents were named. Yeah, what's was, going on? <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> now <laughs> I know why I love this. Anyway, movie. he he asks him. He says, "Why are you doing this to me?" And he says, "You're a smart guy. You'll figure it out." Mm-hmm. But we never really do figure it out. So at that point, I th- on my first viewing, I thought, "Well, they're going to finally explain the hitcher." Yeah. But no, they they never do, and and we don't need to know, I guess. But the way I interpreted the original film, Jim Halsey manages to escape the hitcher. The hitcher has him at knife point and does the classic scene, and they do it quite well here too says, I want you to say these words. I, I want, to die. want to die. Which nobody who's got a knife pointed in their face is going to you know, really want to volunteer to say. So the fact that they're able to overcome that situation, a feat that apparently no one else who he's entered their car and has to, mm-hmm. sort of nominated. These two are worthy adversaries. These are the two that are going to bring me to my end. It's not a fair thing to put on the movie like, this is what I would have done to make it better. But to my opinion, if your villain wants you to kill him, the way to win is to make him spend the rest of his life in a fucking cage. I think that this movie would have been much more interesting if it would have been much more of a victory for the characters. I think in a way it's almost like a seven ending. 
the killer does all the damage that he wants to do, and then he dies exactly when he wants to do, having accomplished everything. Yeah. But where I don't get the nihilistic, nihilistic sort of hit that Seven gives me here, this movie just kind of like, well, they want me to feel that this girl is badass. And I think the real badass thing would do if she took that shotgun and blew out his knees <laughs> and waited for the cops to show up. Because what did he want? He wants. He to wanted die. her to kill him. Yeah. Why give him what he wants? And and why did he? I guess we don't know that. Yeah. But, or did he just want to show that? Uh, I'm not sure what he wanted, but or why? But. And a lot of stuff that's reliant on you seeing the original would probably be lost if you hadn't, right? Uh, in the original, Jennifer Jason Lee plays this character Nash, who is incredibly helpful to Jim Halsey. Like. Uh, goes above and beyond, saves him from being outright murdered by police officers, mm -hmm. and then for some reason takes him back to the hotel room and sleeps with him. But when you see <laughs> this girl tied between these, the, the rig and the trailer, and you know he's got his foot on the clutch and is going to rip her apart, in the original, it's a devastating moment. And it's weird to me, in this movie they do the reversal, it's Halsey, Jim Halsey yep. is the guy who gets stretched between the, the semi and the trailer and it's his girlfriend who you know has to feel the responsibility of his death it's not as impactful we don't even see the death of jennifer jason lee in the original no, and this time we and see this everything. time we see it graphically and it's way more affecting in the original and i think that's what they did in this one is uh <clears throat> the differences they showed yeah in the first hitcher they alluded to a lot of stuff in yeah. this one we saw everything mm -hmm. Uh, we saw the station wagon with the slaughtered family, which was awful. Yeah, I mean that's it was bloody and uh, and gory and. Those are I think that's the outright nightmare moment of both of those movies, both the original and the remake, when the couple has escaped the killer and they're like, "Wow, that was a crazy adventure! It's all over. Yeah. We're going to continue our road trip," and then a family car passes them on the highway, and the hitcher waves at them. From the back of back the car, with the kids. and just like, oh my god! Uh, and that's a great—it's well affected, but all of that was accomplished as well or better in the original. See, I, th I do—I think it carries a little bit more. Uh, I mean, that's a very gruesome scene, especially in the remake when they pull up to the station they wagon actually, and you look inside and it's covered in blood and, and there's dead kids inside that car. And everybody's you feel dead it. except for the father; he's still alive. Yeah. Oh god! And and you feel that a little bit. You're like, oh my. God, this is Yeah, this horrible. guy is not fucking around, right? <laughs> no. Um, and then, I mean, there's different scenes where it turns into, like you said, an action movie later where we have a car chase set to a Nine Inch Nail song. Yep. And uh, that's not something you normally relate to a horror movie, but... Uh, the Slaughter it, it of turned the Police in, Precinct? Yeah, it, tur it turned into a Michael Bay movie for sure. Mm -hmm. um, it's not so much scary. It's entertaining, but I, I think for a while. The original, I think, was heavily influenced by The Terminator. Uh, especially I thought that when I was a kid because of the, the killing of all the police officers. <laughs> like, whatever state this takes place in, they, they take a real hit <laughs> on their police force. Uh, when, when Halsey is arrested, or in this case, when both of them are being questioned by the police, the hitcher, well, that, that works against his plan. So he just goes to the police precinct, kills all the cops there, and leaves the leaves cell them. door open. Right, yeah. and so that the, he can continue fucking. <laughs> right, which does not make a lot it of sense. Doesn't make sense, and in both cases, they don't. can't show him do the act unless they basically explain to us implicitly either he is supernatural <laughs> or some kind of like killer robot. Right, <laughs> like this, he's, he's Rambo all of a sudden. There's and... no, there's no credible way for him to do it, and I think in that, that's why. 
Uh, I wanted to talk about Neil McDonough. He plays Lieutenant Estridge. He's a character in both movies, okay. but he's played differently here. He's a, got a very striking face, very very light hair, and you see him pop up as a small character role. He's an interesting guy, and I can't help but wonder what the hell he's doing in this movie. <laughs> this is a man who has refused roles on major television programs because he's like super Christian, and he didn't want to like pretend to make love to someone who wasn't oh, really? his wife, right? Huh. Like, he's got this real moral center as to, like, what he will and will not do. Which is weird, because he shows up in movies like Hitcher yeah. and The Ravenous. My problem with this Lieutenant Estridge character, in the film, he's like, the, the original film, he's the one cop that sort of sees that these people can't be it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and in this version, it starts that way. He's like, I just talked to these two kids, and there's no way they slaughtered a family full right. of, like, a car full of people. There's just no way that happened. But then they get conclusive proof over the radio. They say they just opened fire on police because they misdirected. Yep. It. And then for the rest of the movie, he becomes driven to really catch them. And where does this all lead? Nope. He's not an essential part of the story. He kind of stops there. It's about this this sort of conflict between uh, the Grace Andrews character and and John Ryder. The whole movie is about these two meeting for a final conclusion. There is nothing they can do with that Neil McDonough character except for shoot him in the head. So when Which it happens, do. it's like, I'm not surprised yeah. by it. I'm not affected by it. I just keep on wondering, what are you doing in this movie? <laughs> Both as a character and as the actor. What, what are you doing here, buddy? <laughs> Fair enough. I believe that's... I'm trying to remember the first the Hitcher, but uh, from my memory, one thing I thought they did better in the remake was they showed how John Ryder got out of... The police car. Yeah. When he was arrested. Yeah. That's right. The, he how he broke his thumb and got the handcuffs off. They, they yeah. slit the throat of the officer in the back with him. Uh, in the original, am I right? Where you don't see that. You just see the car the starting car, to go crazy. Yeah. And it crashes yeah. and he gets out. But uh, yeah. I kind of I don't know. You I always wondered. They went that because far. I wondered before how did he get out of that? It made, why are you taking your shirt off, Larry? Because <laughs> you love it. <laughs> Sorry, for those of you at home. <laughs> um, uh, wow, really lost my train of thought. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to flash you there. But, but why would he uh, bother with the, that subterfuge? Is what yeah. Um, well, that's it. It's the stuff that we don't know about John Ryder that, that is really tantalizing in both the original and the remake. And the remake seemed, if you're going to bother to remake The Hitcher, I don't think you need to. I think the original Hitcher is a totally solid film. If you are going to do it, tell me more about John Ryder. Please. The, the original Hitcher to me was... I have such a I have such a memory of this as when I think of the Hitcher I think of the VHS box mm -hmm. that I rented about ten times from Seven Eleven back when Seven Eleven rented movies nice. I just remember going to Seven Eleven and you'd always see the Hitcher there and I'd, I'd rent the Hitcher yeah. and uh, and enjoy I know you were a fan of the Hitcher I've watched oh, yeah. it with you as a kid yeah. a lot uh, there's one scene from that the French fry scene Ugh. that was as I say with remakes sometimes you're looking for that one scene this one there's tied between the trucks they got to right. have that scene in there and the other one I was waiting for was the French the finger and the french fries which doesn't make any sense nope. in the original why how he did, how did he do that <laughs> how did he kill a guy and manage to put the guy's finger in his plate of yeah. fries without him noticing it until he literally lifts the finger off of the plate but I will say the absence of that scene in the remake felt. I noticed it and I said oh they didn't do the finger in the french fry scene it was a damned if you do damned if you don't thing yeah. I think it was one, of those but it was one I was. I found myself looking forward to it, and it wasn't there. But uh, 
there wasn't a lot of reason to remake this other than maybe someone hasn't seen The Hitcher. It wasn't a huge film, I don't think. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem to have the crowd around it that some of the other 80s horror movies do. I think it's because it's a kind of a hybrid. It's it's a horror movie, but it's an action movie. Yeah, it's not it's an thriller, R-rated. But it's, it's a slasher. Because right? I don't think there's any real on-screen violence or, or blood anyways well, in the original. there is. But, but, I mean, they wrap it up for yeah. sure in the remake. If that's your only reason for redoing it, just to bring it to a bigger audience and, and bring some more blood, then uh, maybe that's the reason. I guess, you know, I hate to repeat myself, like a lot of these remakes, it's fine, but I'd just as soon watch the original. Mm-hmm. do this um of all the films that i bring baggage to i think the evil dead remake is possibly the one that 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 had the most to live up to in my mind i'm gonna say i think i'm agreeing with you right that i go into this a huge evil dead fan not the movie itself well yes the movie but the whole franchise it's one of my favorite horror franchises of all All time time. all time for sure and especially Uh, of the 80s I, I that, hold that one-two punch of Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two is just amazing. Like I will watch anything Sam Raimi makes because for the rest of, of his career because of those two movies. Yeah, if he released a video of him taking a bath, yeah, so I'd, be it. Yeah, I'll check that out. It. It's probably got great camera work. Maybe Bruce Campbell will show up as a cameo. It's <laughs> the guy who pans him a towel. He goes, sir. Um, yeah, I do. I agree. I hold it very high. It's yeah. had a lot to live up to. So I went in a little bit resistant. I gotta say, I was like, all right, if you're gonna bring me some Evil Dead, Mr. Fede Alvarez, who's the name of this di- uh, director and co-writer, you better you better bring something awesome. That's produced by the... Original. Sam Raimi is on board for this. So that did make me feel a little bit good, Safer. saying, you know what, this is... It's gonna be loved. Yeah. Um, but that fucking trailer, though... It was really strong. When I first saw that trailer, the Red Band trailer for Evil Dead... Seeing the that, tongue split... That trailer was better. Amazing. That trailer was better than the five movies that we already talked about. I mean, <laughs> well, the brilliant choice that they made in this remake was to not try to recreate Ash. Yeah. If you tried to bring a figure into this movie to step into the shoes of Bruce Campbell, it was immediately doomed to failure. And I think Fede Alvarez knew that. And instead, what he set out to do is to make the movie that Sam Raimi was trying to make when he made the original Evil Dead with all of the tools that Sam Raimi didn't have when he made Evil Dead. This is a capital H horror movie. This movie is not fucking around. (laughs) Like, it is one of the most horrifyingly violent and entertaining movies that I have seen in recent memory. 
I am a huge fan of this remake, and I did not expect to be. <laughs> it's weird because it's a story about a bunch of kids who go to a cabin, cabin and do woods. everything wrong. Yeah. Oh, here's a book sealed with barbed wire made of <laughs> bound in human flesh that, that says, says "Do, do not, not read." read. <laughs> Let's clip it open and start sounding out some of these words. Like uh, ostensibly, that's just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but I have watched this movie. <laughs> A lot. Like, I don't tire of it. I love it. And it is a better movie than Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. Whoa. Whoa, that's... That's hard. Those are big words. On a production level, on an acting level, on on a visceral impact level, on an emotional affecting level, it, 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 it achieves everything that it's trying to achieve. And the Evil Dead movie, it's got a lot of great scenes, but I don't think it achieves everything it wants to be. I think it's hobbled by its budget and the amateur stuff yeah, going around. I, I, watched I love Evil Dead. I'm not saying Evil Dead's a bad movie. No. I hope that that's not what you're no, hearing. No, I, I get you what you're saying. I mean, I, I watched a documentary recently where uh, Greg Nicotero mm-hmm. had said if, the, if, if they could make the effects proper mm-hmm. in the first Evil Dead, you know, if they had the money or the resources to have... The, the effects that they wanted to do, that movie would have been scarier than The Exorcist. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, maybe you, that's kind of what you're saying here. That uh, It's a scarier movie. I, 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 I enjoy watching the original Evil Dead a lot. I still get a lot out of it even today, even with all its rough corners. And it's got the rough corners, yeah. Yeah. This remake, man, I, I think that part of it was whereas I had higher expectations of some of these other remakes, like, well, you know, why, why couldn't they make it an improved version of you know the hitcher. Why? Why couldn't yeah, they? You it, know, it shouldn't be too hard. It shouldn't be that. Yeah, but they they kind of failed. In this one, I expected them to fail, and maybe that expectation was what made this sucker punch hit me, <laughs> because shit. Well, you you can tell they went. They made a clear attempt to make what they could. It's like they tried to make the most terrifying movie that they possibly could, and I think that's the tagline for the movie, yeah. isn't it? It's. Uh, it's a grueling experience in terror. That was the tagline for the original film. Right, this one, isn't it, say, on the this. poster, I think it says, uh, the most terrifying movie you will ever experience, or something like that. But, uh, and you can see from every image, from, uh, from everything from the image to the mood and the sound, uh, there, there's a siren sound that they play now and then when yeah. bad shit is happening. And <laughs> for whatever, that puts chills. And uh, yeah. the way the creatures move, everything, the over-the-top gore is there. Um, well, let's, let's start. So, so here we it's, are, uh, five minutes into the review, and I think we should start talking about it. The opening sequence. <laughs> yeah. Terrified woman, filthy, bloody, staggering through foggy, horrifying trees, gets totally <laughs> smashed in the face for the butt of a rifle by these two hayseed fellows. Cut to same woman tied to a pole in some obscure basement. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, some horrible ritual taking place, which involves... Im- Im- engulfing this poor woman in flames and then blowing her head off and it's her father who gets to pull the trigger and then we have credits <laughs> when she speaks in that demonic voice yeah um, yeah that gets you yeah and the acting's really good there when she's pleading and begging her please don't do this to me you believe her and when she turns demonic you believe yeah. her <laughs> right um, and so, yeah, these kids come to this obscure cabin in the woods to help their friend Maya kick a nasty drug habit. 
she's been to this roadie a few times before. A lot of them are a little bit tired of her. And it was a really good uh, excuse for them to stay in the cabin longer than they would have otherwise. Right. Because they don't believe Maya. They don't trust Maya. They think Maya's going to think of any ridiculous excuse. Sure, the tree raped you. Exactly. Okay, Maya. <laughs> She's going to think of any ridiculous excuse to get out of this cabin because she yeah. wants to go get her fix. But she wants to get out of the cabin because she fucking knows that something terrible is going to happen. Yeah. She brings that performance. When she's whispering to her brother mm-hmm. in, that, in that scene, you, you hang on every slowly spoken whispered word. And, yeah. it's a, and, and how frustrating it must be for her because she's probably deserved this lack of trust. She's probably earned it, right? Yeah, she's but done she it is actively trying to save her friend's life and they are having none of it. <laughs> It's brutal. And you kind of see her brother, I think, is the, the character that you're watching thinking, I think he's going to be gonna the be Ash. Ash. Yeah, he's even got the denim shirt, mm-hmm. I believe. So he kind of looks like he takes a little bit of physical abuse, kind of like Ash. Yeah. Ash and is they, very meek in the first film. A lot of people forget that. Yeah, he's, he's not, not a badass he's at He's not all. the one-liner Ash that we nope. see in Evil Dead 2. This, is, this has nothing to do with Evil Dead 2. This nope. is the straight-ahead... No laughs. Let's make the scariest movie we can possibly make. I don't think there's like, any deliberate laughs anywhere in this movie. I think they no. really... like. And and I don't I don't know if I look at it as, as much as a remake. Um, I look at it as another story that, in that fits world. in the whole Evil Dead universe. Yeah. It's a worthy member of the whole family, I think. Uh, just an alternate Evil Dead story, I think, and it it works for sure. I'm sort of shocked. Like again, like why not an Evil Dead too? <laughs> it's like if you can remake Evil Dead so successfully, why not move on? But where do they go from here? And can they turn on the camp for number two now, or do they? Once they've established this world, do they tread forward? Yeah, I don't know if you do a remake of a. I, I'm not sure about sequels to remakes. Yeah, they. It's tricky. Yeah, I mean, Halloween tried. Hills Have Eyes. Um, they don't usually work as well as the first shot, but. Just a few of the things that you'll be treated to, if you watch this movie, and please do. <laughs> a woman. Slaps another woman, throws her down on the ground, flips her over, and full-on vomits into her face. Sam Raimi loves people <laughs> vomiting on each other's faces, doesn't he? Like, uh, drag me to hell? Or drag yeah, me- <laughs> drag me to the hell is just full of fluids. There's a lot of fluids I, in that uh, Yeah, it's gag-inducing. Uh, there's a scene where the guy who we should hate, but I still like, the dude who reads from the book, who actually oh. cuts the book open and reads from it, who is responsible for all of this, His girlfriend stabs him in the face several times with a needle, and we see him remove the needle from his lower eyelid. It's the most horrifying thing. Like, oh. And these are just a couple of moments. Like, they're all over this movie. Like, they're all over this movie. And that's without even talking about tree rape. Tree rape. And that's one of the few Um, things that they took from the original. That's from the original, right. And it's interesting, Sam Raimi has said that he's kind of a little bit embarrassed by that sequence as he grew up. He's like, it's a sequence he came up with as a young man and thought it was badass and cool, but as he's grown up and got a little more perspective on it, he thought it was maybe a little bit distasteful. So it's funny because he did it again in Evil Dead too. so I mean, he must have not thought it was that distasteful, but I guess it was less implicitly rape and it was more the trees killed that woman. And infected her with whatever demonic with presence. Demonic presence. And, and you're missing the biggest ick kind of moment I think is the slicing of her own tongue oh she with, splits uh, her tongue oh my goodness that is <laughs> such a I watched I showed my wife that scene she, she and she had to it. turn her head away and she was gagging she said this I 
<laughs> she was making that sound and she could not watch it. So you're watching an effective horror movie with somebody who's gay. Yeah, and I thought, that is so disgusting. I love the hell out of it. Um, yeah, uh, we engage with the characters in a way that, uh, like, they, they seem real to me. In the original movie, it's a group of people that come to a cabin to be killed, and they're two sets of couples, really, and they're fine, but everybody's motivations, except for the idiot who reads the book, I completely buy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that her brother, like you said, the guy uh, who, David, played by Shiloh Fernandez, you, you kind of expect to play this heroic role. And in the end... The and sim- he kind of does for... He does him to a certain extent, until he's no longer alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> the hero's dead now. The movie's about Maya. Yeah. And uh, that final confrontation, which is a complete new invention, but that I completely buy in this evil dead world. Once the spirits have claimed X number of souls... The abomination shall rise and... A blood rain falls. Yeah. I can't imagine they had a sprinkler system filled with red Kool-Aid or something like this. And the entire end sequence, Maya is fighting a demonic version of herself. In... And she is completely alone. And it is terrifying. It is a great... And I believe that's the scene that put them over the top. This is the, uh, the officially the bloodiest movie of all time. <laughs> yep. And I think once it's raining blood, that, yep. uh, that puts you over the edge. And All stops pulled out in this movie. Like, they were not fucking around. Like I said at the start of this movie, they wanted to make a capital H horror movie, and they succeeded in a way that I could not have anticipated. I have to say, as much as I live the same way I said with Tom Raimi and the Evil Dead movies, this Fede Alvarez guy, yeah. anything he does... I want to see what he does next. Anything he does, be it a romantic comedy or, you know... I don't know. <laughs> and, and How the I, West was fun three. You know, I don't give a shit. I will show up and watch it. So um, I'm not sure what his next project is, but uh, I'll be on board. And, and one of the things they did was uh, with this remake, there was a lot of little Easter eggs, little nods, I no. guess, yep. for fans of the franchise. You had uh, Ash's car, if you notice, was yep. in the back. It was an abandoned old car. If When they first drive up to the cabin, you hear, if you listen quietly, you can hear a the faint... Knock. Join us, but mm-hmm. it's very faint. You can barely. But fans of Evil Dead, they hear it. Yeah. Um, Ash cuts off his his hand very obviously in the Evil Dead. Yeah. Film. In this one, we have someone chop off their whole arm <laughs> uh, with the carving knife, which is a, a beautiful, scene. grizzly scene. Yeah. Uh, nail so gun. many oh, <laughs> nail guns in the face. <laughs> She's that girl that's like cutting her smile into her mouth with the broken. Blade. Yeah. Yeah. So. This is not for uh, for the squeamish. This film, no. They don't make movies like this, though. Like, there's always I don't know if it's the influence still of Scream, but there always seems to be a wink or like let's stop and give them a break or let's you know. Uh, hey, where's our comic relief? Yeah, we let's have let's one get guy. up to the point of where the uh, needle stabs him in the eye and then cut away. <laughs> but th- this is not what this movie is about. They are not going to spare us anything. And uh, it's glorious. One question I have on it is, uh, I believe when they read the book, it says when five souls are claimed, the, the skies will rain blood right. and the abomination shall rise. And I've always had issue with wondering, and not always, I guess, but you wonder where there are five souls that were taken and who counts as a soul. 
Maybe it's um, five in one night. Yeah, I, I, don't know. I started wondering because it sometimes adds up and it depends who you listen to if it, if if it, it matters. But it then does. at the end, does it really matter? This is just something that he read mm-hmm. in this book and there's, it's been rewritten. There's scribbles on top of scribbles. And yeah. uh, so I guess it doesn't matter how many souls have been taken. This shit is happening right now and you have to, to deal with it. Um, and when they first made that switch to Maya being the hero, at first I wasn't sure what I thought of this. They can... Right. Uh, well, wait, she was just the demon in the cellar right. trying to kill everybody, and now She's we're back. rooting for her. But um, after revisit, it's I mean, it was a chance they took, changing things up, and I, I like what they did. They were not going to be able to recreate Ash, so they didn't try, yeah. and bravo. I think the two takeaways I have from this is that it justifies the existence of remakes, because... I could not have anticipated that the Evil Dead remake would be like that. I would be this happy about it. Like, they, I was completely, completely broadsided by how good it was. I honestly, yeah, I think we're. I sat down in the theater and I folded my arms and I looked at the screen and like, bring it, Evil Dead, and they did. Yeah, I think this was out one day before I seen it. I, <laughs> this was one I had to see. I t- like I said, that trailer it sold me, and I think yeah. I, I expected it to be based good. on that trailer. This looks incredible this looks like a horror movie with the capital h horror movie yeah. like you said um and yeah they brought it yeah i think we're together a bit here but the other lesson if you find a book that is wrapped with barbed wire that says do not read this book <laughs> do not read it don't fucking read it you moron Let's rank some remakes. Thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> it was nice. Nice meeting you out in uh, Canmore, Alberta. Yeah, yeah, we started this, doing this recording outside, we had under to the move stars. In. It got a little cold. <laughs> yeah, the lightning, there's some nice lightning flashes out there and uh, kind of added to the ambience. Yeah, it was nice. Um, again, uh, I'm surprised by the quality of the remakes. Consider the reputation oh. that most remakes have. Even the ones that I don't like here, they're not necessarily awful movies. I just prefer the originals. And me preferring the originals doesn't necessarily, you know, make or break these titles individually. Yeah, I'll say I enjoy, I, I own all six of these movies. I enjoy watching yeah. all these films. Uh, I'm curious about remakes. Uh, they can take a favorite movie of mine and say we're doing a remake of it. Uh, I'm curious what they're going to do. It yeah. doesn't mean it's going to be great, but uh, I'd and like to see their take on it. So if I'm not a big fan of the My Bloody Valentine remake. The original My Bloody Valentine is always going to be there, you know? Sure. And some other people are going to miss out on that because they're, you know, stuck up about 80s. And, you know, they just don't realize what they've given up. Uh, Scott, what was your least favorite of these six remakes and why? Uh, like I said before, I, I do like all these films. They're, they're all well-made films. None of these are bad films, necessarily. Uh, something's got to go at the bottom, as you often say, and number six is going to be the Hitcher. Okay. I think it's uh, it's the one that seemed the least necessary to remake as far... Well, not necessary, but uh, 
they didn't do anything to it, I didn't find, other right. than switching the male and the female character, really. Uh, it didn't add anything to it. It just felt like something was missing from it. Um, and the reason that the Amityville Horror gets number five above it is because I, I think it's, uh, it definitely it has moments where it surpasses the original. Right. And that's something the Hitcher doesn't have in, in the whole movie. Uh, f- number four, Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. It's higher than the other two because it has more breasts in it. <laughs> I can't rate it higher than number four because it has too many breasts in it. <laughs> There's titty exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, you, you get titty fatigue watching I started this thinking, jeez, come on. How long is this sex scene really going to be? But it, it basically, it is what it is. Uh, it's entertaining, but it doesn't really give us anything new. And as I said before, it starts to feel more like another sequel after a while. Um, just another bunch of... Horny, druggy kids running from Jason. But again, that's what we wanted to see, and, and that's what they give that's us. It's, it's not at the bottom, but I can't put it higher than, than where it is. Right. Um, number three, Bloody Valentine. I put one higher than Friday the 13th. I think this, this like I said before, this might have introduced more people to the, to the original movie. Everybody knows who Jason Voorhees is. Yeah. Uh, whether you're even a horror fan or not, you know the hockey mask. I yeah. think I like the My Bloody Valentine remake idea because not everybody knows about My Bloody Valentine, and yeah. I, I want everyone to know about it. And uh, the image of the miner, I think, is really Strong. it's really fun. Yeah, it's 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 cool, and uh, I think uh, we don't need. I don't think we need any more remakes of Friday the Thirteenth. I don't even honestly think we need more sequels. Right. You can you make a slasher good? about someone wearing a different kind of a mask. Yeah. At a, it doesn't have to be Jason anymore. That said, if they made another one, I'd watch it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'll watch it with you. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Friday the 13th, they kept churning out endless sequels, and mm-hmm. this was just another one. My Bloody Valentine was something a little bit fresh, uh, so that's why it gets up there. Sweet. Crazies at number two. As I said before, it's got the biggest gap as far as the improvement uh, the original versus this one, it's got more scares. It's it's just immensely better. Yeah. And I... Yeah, it improved on the source material, the scares, the deaths. But number one is Evil Dead, <laughs> without question for me. It's Just talking about Evil Dead with you right now, I, I, feel, I feel like watching Evil Dead right now. I, I wish, wish I'd <laughs> brought it with me. I was like, uh, it's, it's 10 after 12, but fuck it. Let's watch <laughs> Let's some Evil, watch Dead. Evil Dead. I, I'm not sure if I like it more than the original, mm-hmm. but it probably is a better movie than the right. original, for the reasons that you said. If I'm holding on to the original, that's just because I've got a, a love affair for the original, yeah. and I appreciate how it was made with the little money they did have for it. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, the, the trailer for The Evil Dead is better than the other five <laughs> movies. Yeah. Um, but it's always it's, tricky with trailers because trailers are designed to make you watch true. the movie, it's, right? It's the like, best. Look the best how awesome parts. this movie is. You're an idiot if you don't watch it, right? And the re- Evil Dead gets number one. It's a horror movie for horror movie fans. If you're a true horror movie fan, you will like this. If you kind of like horror <laughs> movies, say, like, I like Scream, well, you might like this you might yeah. not but if you like uh, you like it grisly and, and bad you'll this number one easy for me well I'm afraid to say that we don't go six for six or zero for six down so it. you do not get a prize <laughs> I was going to give you a prize today Larry but no, no sadly oh, I actually thought there was a chance that we would go six for six this you're saying there's a chance reason, but you're telling me there's a chance um, I put my bloody valentine at the bottom and I think that it might be me 
This is just another. You know, you have to think. You rate these movies wrong a whole bunch of times. <laughs> You're just wrong, Larry. <laughs> yeah. My opinions are incorrect. Six minute nude scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there's a 15 minute nude scene in Friday the 13th, and it ranks higher. Um, again, it's okay. It's fine. It's entertaining. I think that I bring baggage from the original, and I just wanted this to be better, and it wasn't. And something had to be at the bottom. So my bloody Valentine went there. I think it's a kitsch movie. I think it is a 3D movie. I think mm. you take the 3D out of it, and it's just another slasher movie. And I think that the original is above average slasher movie. Even a great one. Yeah. So, my bloody Valentine. I put the Hitcher at fifth place, so we're not far off. You put Hitcher at the bottom, right? Yeah, you're still wrong. Um, <laughs> just wrong. <laughs> it's quick. It's 80 minutes. It's well made. But you're not going to get anything out of this that you won't get better in the original. So... <laughs> There it ends up. Uh, in fourth position, I put the Amityville Horror. Because mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds is just a dream <laughs> No, I mean, uh, I think the first time I watched the movie, I was a little bit harder on it. When I watched it again, I actually did find more to like. It was just, there's some confusing choices in the script. There's just a few things that they could have tightened, and I think that it would have actually been quite strong. And again, I think, uh, as compared to the rest of this movie, the source material was less sacred to me. We kind of agree mm. on the original Amityville as it being more interesting and significant than good. Yeah. <laughs> um, scratching and fighting and kicking its way all the way to third place, which is quite high considering the <laughs> lambasting that I gave it when we reviewed it, is the remake of Friday the 13th. But what am I going to say? Underground what, tunnels. What is Friday the 13th? It is brutal violence and sexuality, right? It's tits and blood. And the remake <laughs> definitely delivers those two things. To a degree that, in a way, I was never made uncomfortable in the previous movies, I was weirdly made uncomfortable here. <laughs> I, I'm almost ranking it third on the strength of the first 20 minutes. But it's not awful. It's another Friday the 13th movie, and I am a fan. <laughs> Second place is The Crazies. I think this is the one of all of these movies for some reason that, that, that might have got missed by people. And uh, a lot of people didn't even know it was a remake. But I, I wasn't aware when I first saw The Crazies. Right. I wasn't aware it was a remake. Yeah. I had so, to search the original out. And I'm a fan of George Romero, but <laughs> Crazies is not near his best work. So um, uh, it was across the board an improvement on the original, so I have to you know be impressed by that. And like I said, uh, upon watching it again, my opinion of it, went up mm. a lot of times the second time I watch a movie it's just the mood you know who knows maybe if I watched My Bloody Valentine on a different day it would just ranked higher there is something terribly random about this this podcast <laughs> and how it is ranked I'm gonna have to watch Bloody Valentine on 2D see how it's, just, see, to see just to see just to see if it's, if it's yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course yeah Evil Dead's number one because it's fucking amazing I mean, I sound like a little bit hyperbolic about it, but I would never have anticipated that the remake of Evil Dead would have exceeded the original in my mind, because the original looms pretty large in my mind. So, um, bravo to everybody involved in that very wet piece of work. (laughs) And make something else soon, because I want to see it. Yeah, I know he's got another thing coming, but I can't think of the name. Anyway... Shall we, Jerry?
So you're Jerry's brother. Now that Larry's done ranking wrong again. <laughs> again. Wow. I always get it wrong. I always I? side with your guests. You are out to lunch again. That's because I got smart friends. Yeah, we're, we're close. I think the, my bloody Valentine was the one. I'm not passionate about the bottom half of the list. Like, really, on a different day, they might have changed. But the number one and two, I, I, I stand by. And that's yeah. definitely where we, we agree. I, I think so. I hope there's no hurt feelings. I just couldn't put Friday the 13th that high, especially after I put the original so high in our <laughs> yeah, slash. I guess. <laughs> All right, I got to be realistic now. <laughs> so, like underground uh, tunnels. Okay, sorry. Some Jerry's. I, I've come up with some, <laughs> some categories and some nominations, but as you are my guest, you get to pick the winner. This is where you get to take control, and I can tell you if you're <laughs> wrong. Um, I thought we'd start simple. Yes. Six movies, six arguable psychos. Derek Mears took the role of Jason Voorhees in the re- reboot of Friday the 13th. Okay. He's intimidating, he's fast, he's a lethal Jason. Uh, so I gave him a nomination. I nominated, and I could have nominated a lot of people in the crazies, but I nominated the pitchfork dude <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> from yeah. the crazies. I, I should, he didn't have a lot of lines, but I really do think that guy brought a performance. <laughs> like, well, I think his feet are on the poster, aren't they? Yeah, he's dragging the, the, the fork. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and his magnificent abs. <laughs> he slowly goes crazy through the course of the Amityville horror. Uh, Sean Bean, of course, as the hitcher. And uh, Maya from Evil Dead, because she's arguably out of her fucking mind. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, as much as I do love those abs, yeah, um, because uh, they are they are amazing. I mean, they, when you think everyday ordinary just hypnotizing, everyday everyday an ordinary American dad, that's what I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, why have a why have a six pack when you can have a keg? That's yeah. what I say. But uh, the the pitchfork guy, I would lean towards if it was a bigger role. But right. uh, now that Maya's in the mix, yeah, uh, yeah Maya's got to get it. <laughs> Evil Dead. Evil Dead. I think Evil Dead's going to be well represented. I'm going to uh, accept this trophy on her behalf right. and bring it to the cellar. <laughs> best, uh, sorry, best death. Ooh, best death. This is just, there's a lot of them. Jeez. I have I put the sleeping bag kill at the beginning of the Friday the Thirteenth, but okay. really that whole sequence could really be included in that. Um, I have the rig split from the Hitcher, okay. uh, where we actually get to see what we were denied seeing in the it, original. It was a kind of, it was kind of a fun effect. Yeah, no, yeah, they I mean, definitely. You know, if you're gonna remake it, yeah, you got to show this stuff this time. Yeah, um, I put quote fuck you for what you did. In the crazies. There's a lot of deaths in the crazies, and we don't even see that one. But I gotta say, that was surprisingly impactful in a movie that was, you know, kind of surprised me. Uh, <laughs> um, the eyeball stab <laughs> in My Bloody Valentine at oh, the beginning of the, the beginning? movie. <laughs> There's a lot of hilarious deaths in that movie, but that one was pretty spectacular. The opening sacrifice scene of Evil Dead. Mm. where this Mm -hmm. woman is first lit on fire and then has her head obliterated by a shotgun. And I put the neck hand stab in the crazies. We mentioned in the review that he gets his hand stabbed through, but he then pulls the knife and his hand free of the floor, and he actually stabs one of the crazies in the throat with the knife still in his hand, and it's pretty fucked. (laughs) When I saw that scene, I remember thinking, you know, this is going to be one of the We're going to bring it up. Um... (laughs) So those are your nominations. Rig Split, Sleeping Bag Kill, Fuck You For What You Did, The Eyeball Stab, Opening Sacrifice, and 
the aforementioned neck hand stab. <laughs> Jeez, that that's not easy. <laughs> the eyeball stab I love because it's kind of shocking. It comes out of the blue. You're not thinking the movie's going to start yet. Yeah, and you oh, barely okay. barely settled in your yeah. seat. <laughs> <laughs> you had your first handful of popcorn, and this eyeball's coming out at you. Um, Jeez, I. You know what though, but uh, yeah, the crazies. Let's go for the crazies for that one. For the uh, the knife through the, the hand, the, the next step. Yeah, in the nursery. That yeah. that was a vicious scene. So yeah. that that gets the golden trophy for that one. Nice. I'm not gonna fight you on that at all. What the fuck? Oh. What the fuck? What? How many nominees do we have for this? <laughs> Only six. But uh, there 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 can be another. We can do what the fuck too if you want at the end. I have a special category <laughs> of what the fuck that we can get to if you like. Um. I just put the sex in Friday the 13th. Mm. Like, what the fuck? Really, you're not directing Red Shoe Diaries, okay? This is a fucking Friday the 13th movie. Show us some titties, but then get on with the fucking movie, right? Um, I put the tree rape sequence in The Evil Dead. I think it was well handled, and it's definitely, in both movies, a pretty what-the-fuck moment. But it was tastefully done. The entire, yeah, I guess, it's, it's as tasteful as a tree rape sequence can be handled. I put Neil McDonough's entire presence in The Hitcher, because I really do think you could cut out all of his scenes and you wouldn't lose anything, honestly. Um, the, the scene we just talked about with the neck hand stab, uh, I back up now to the sequence where he's just reaching for that that gun and you think he's about to rectify the situation and this knife <laughs> pops into his hand I was like, what the fuck because he didn't even know that guy was in the room right and then I have the sex scene slash ghost girl hangs herself in in the Amityville oh, yeah. horror because that scene is so weird <laughs> like you don't yeah, understand she, she wasn't hanged she was shot and and why is she... I, I, I just don't understand what it's doing there. It's just that, that whole... I mean, I guess you want a sex scene. I guess right. I understand the choice to have a sex scene. Yeah. And Melissa George is hot. Unfortunately, we don't get to see her nakedness. But They figured, we haven't had a jump scare for a while. We need to yeah. throw one But here. it is like the quintessential random jump scare. So anyway, sex and Friday the 13th, tree rape. Uh, the naked rage sorry I missed that naked rage in My Bloody Valentine the entire <laughs> sequence where this furious woman comes running out of the uh, hotel room to just tear a strip off of this asshole trucker and it doesn't play out so. and can I give an honorable mention to one I forgot Go. the gas station clerk in The Hitcher when they have that weird conversation right. he invites him to come back to their house yeah. to see his donkey yeah it's what? just a strange inclusion. What the hell? Yeah, <laughs> I guys kind of wanna, forgot about that. You guys want to come to my house and see my donkey? He kicked me in the head and I can't see straight. And it's what, what are we? Nah, we're good, man. <laughs> Thanks, though. <laughs> well, if you want, you go ahead. Yeah, we'll add but, that. But, uh, yeah, I won't, I won't give that the win. But I just wanted to mention him. Give him a little <laughs> nod. Guess for, I'd forgotten about that scene. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man. That, that nude rage is good when she throws the gun at the guy's head, too. Um... But that sex in Friday the 13th was so... What the fuck, you guys? Uh, it, it's got to be between the two excessive nude scenes. We'll call it a tie uh, between My Bloody Valentine and Friday the 13th, then? Or are you going to pick one? Really, you know, I'd like to do a tie, but I, I can't handle You're ties. You're not into it. So, jeez, uh, which one was longer? Cumulatively, probably Friday the 13th. But you know, there's something more graphic about it. My Bloody Valentine, that nude scene had something to offer <laughs> other than just excessive humping. 
So it's not sexual at all. That's part of what's so strange. Right. About they it. start to carry on a conversation, and, it, and it's, she's just full frontal nude. <laughs> so the more WTF goes to Friday the Thirteenth. All right. I have nominations here for best scares. You know what else would have been a good WTF? Was oh, why did you have to have the underground layer? But uh, yeah. anyways, <laughs> why, Jason? Why? Okay, uh, we move on to best scare then. Um, mm. Babysitter pokes ghost in the brain. Good times. In the Amityville Horror. I actually do think the babysitter sequence is probably my favorite sequence in the whole movie. It's mm-hmm. pretty well done. Um, the Virgin gets it in Friday the 13th. Like I said, I kind of saw it coming. I knew that she was going to die. I guess I didn't necessarily know how or when she was going to die. But I knew that they wanted me to think that she wasn't going to die. Yeah. And she did. Yeah, none and of those kids survived. There's yeah. something about the look on her face as the machete goes to her. She seems but I'm a virgin. Like, but I did everything right. <laughs> I didn't smoke drugs. I didn't swear. I didn't sleep with the asshole. I helped this guy. Yeah. Like, we rescued his kidnapped sister from Jason's lair. And now I just fucking die randomly. Well, shit. Mm. Uh, for best scare again, he's in the car with the kids in the hitcher when they have that revel- <laughs> reveal of Sean Bean in the back seat with the kitties. I have basically the climactic blood rain sequence of Evil Dead, which is just <laughs> crazy intense. Yeah. Just crazy intense. And, um, um, oh, I guess we already talked about the, the fight in the crazies. Um, Basically, I think the whole sequence with the pitchfork in the, in the crazies where Rada Michelle, it's it's not a boo scare. It's just this... You feel the tension. The tension building. of seeing this guy forking all of these people in the gurneys. And each time he does it, he's getting closer to them. And some of the people are begging for their lives. Some of the people are so crazy, they don't seem to give a shit. There's one guy giggling, wasn't Yeah, he? he's giggling the whole time yeah. as he's being killed. And she sees her doom coming towards her, and she's so helpless. It's it's terrifying. Well, so yeah, um, I, the uh, pitchfork and the crazies, the blood rain and Evil Dead, in the car with the kids from the Hitcher, the Virgin gets it in Friday the Thirteenth, and the babysitter and the ghost in the I, closet. I do like a good forking scene. Yeah, you like so, forking. Yeah, we'll I give mean, that one to the yeah, crazies. Yeah, for the forking scene. Okay, I like some hardcore forking. Special bonus round for WTF, if you will indulge me. All right. This is the WTF Evil Dead edition. (laughs) All of these WTF moments come from Evil Dead. I thought there was some stuff missing. (laughs) So spoilers, Evil Dead's going to win. Excellent. So we have puked in the face. (laughs) We have the uh, self-amputation, one of two self-amputations that we get to see in the movie. Oh yeah. I'm thinking of the one with the the, uh, roast... The, yeah, she Maya ends up cutting off her hand under the jeep. But I'm talking about her friend, the nurse. With the electric who carving uses knife. the electric carving knife to, to cut off her arm. Well done. We have the nail gun sequence, which is appalling. We have stabbed in the fucking eye with a needle. And then I have just carte blanche the first ten minutes. Jeez. <laughs> this is like... Oh, Why not throw the last ten minutes as a nominee, too? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, wow. what the fuck Evil Dead is like? I'm I don't tempt- even know how to pick I'm, one. I'm tempted to give it a 90-minute tie. Yeah, it's exactly. A, it's a 90-minute f- ferocious what the f- <laughs> <laughs> She just got real, you guys. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know how you pick one on there. 
Well, Evil Dead it's... wins. Clearly this episode of Rankin Review, <laughs> Evil Dead wins. But if you haven't seen The Crazies, definitely see The Crazies. And I would say, you know, if you're a horror fan, most of these movies are worth a look. But I would encourage you to please seek out the original. Yeah, for sure. And if you like if you like horror movies and if you don't hate them because they're remakes, then check out all six. Yeah, for sure. And try to watch My Bloody Valentine in 3D. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Thank you yeah. so much, brother. Hey, not a problem. Let's do it again. Soon. be able to think about now when I think of these films will probably be recording this podcast in the beautiful mountains with my good friend from childhood and forever, Scott Lehman. I hope you guys enjoyed the 79th episode of Rankin Review and I hope you're going to listen to the 80th episode of Rankin Review where our returning champion Matthew Risling shall return. In the meantime, please send that positive message or positive review on uh iTunes, that helps me a lot, or if you could throw me a like at Facebook, that's great for my morale, and uh, please, do what you can to spread the word on Rank and Review. We'll talk to you soon. And love, from the host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons.